Hey everybody, it's Michael here, and you are listening to the Good E-Reader Radio Show. everybody welcome back to the goody reader radio show my name is michael and today we're joined by mercy pilkington live in frankfurt how are you um it's early here but i'm doing good so how exactly early is it uh, well i've been up for a little while working i've got some more articles to write today but it's about 5 45 okay so this is the first official day of the book fair but you were live on the scene for sort of the precursor to the fair which is uh, the digital conference right Right. Yesterday's contact event, and I'm, I'm sure those letters stand for something, but they didn't tell us what it was, um, just brought together a lot of innovation and a lot of people to talk about digital publishing and what we need to be doing as an industry. And then, um, actually, of course, they gave out a Startup Showcase Award. That was the first time I've watched a Startup Showcase, and uh, it was really fascinating. This It was like the Shark Tank approach, where um, st- different startups had submitted their videos of what they've, what they've created or what they plan to do in publishing, and uh, it was narrowed down to four who, um, I'm sorry, excuse me, five who had to stand up and basically pitch to the panel of judges. They had three minutes to talk about their startup, and then they had an additional three minutes for interview questions from the judges. And last night, the winner was announced, and it was a really fascinating process. So, give me a, what was like in terms of the startup pitches, was there anything that kind of caught your eye, anything that would be interesting? 
Actually, it's really funny that just hearing people going through their slides before the conference got started, you know, they let them, because it was kind of one of the early things they did. And so they let them get their slides set up and, you know, stand on the stage and, you know, test out the microphone and stuff. So these, these poor people who are probably not public speakers, but were really interested in what they do in digital publishing. Um, so I got to kind of watch them set up and warm up and just pulled one of them aside. And I was like, you know, hey, I, I like what I saw. Can I write an article about you for Goody Reader? And they were thrilled, of course. And um, that's who ended up winning. So I was really excited. It just one of them really jumped out at me. And it's it's really funny because they won the startup award at Tools of Change and the London Book Fair this year have won several awards in South Africa. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the funny thing is to win digital innovation awards for getting people to not read ebooks is really amazing. Um, but it was a company called Paperwrite. And this is who I wrote about yesterday that they've started this company where they license books, ebooks, excuse me, to copy shops because people in outlying areas who do not have access to bookstores, the internet, credit cards, basically are cut off from reading. And they estimate that two to three billion people on the planet do not have access to a book in any form, print or digital. And so they've licensed ebooks, almost like the Espresso Book Machine concept, which is where they really started, but that machine is still just too expensive for a lot of places to, to work in that model. And so you literally go into a coffee shop in some outlying town in South Africa and tell them which book you've, you've bought your license for, and they charge you right then. They're responsible for paying the royalty back to the, the publisher, and they literally print you a copy. Some of them don't even have the capability to bind it with a spiral bind. You literally get your stack of papers. <laughs> but some of them can, can do a little more sophisticated. But basically, these copy shops were noticing people sneaking in using the public copy machine to photocopy a book. And that's how they were getting it. That's how they were getting their own copy of it. Um, the saddest part was parents coming in with a textbook for their child and were having to photocopy a school textbook so their child can have one too. And so that's one of the, the things that Paperwrite really worked first to address was getting additional textbooks. And they told the textbook suppliers, you know, just give us the license and we can get the copies to the people. And the publishers were all for it because they're still getting their, their royalty. They're, they're getting their money for it and their authors are too. But at the same time, you know, students are getting the books they need for school. And so I think it's a fascinating concept. And then, you know, when you, when you think about digital publishing, you're really getting people to read a Xerox copy of a book. <laughs> so that is almost like the least sophisticated form of reading you can do, but they're, they're winning awards for it because they really believe in what they're doing. Well, I, I, I would probably say that this makes the most sense because there's way more people in the world without internet, without computers than there are people right. with it. You know, first first right. world, you know, it's we kind of lose sight sometimes of the majority of the earth is not as well connected or does not have like access to the same sort of materials that almost we take for granted. Absolutely. And and the thing is, digital publishing was supposed to be this great, you know, ease of access. You could instantly download a book, have it on your device, this great portability, no more shipping books all over the world. And that's just not the case for some people. If you don't have a device, an internet connection, and truthfully, like Paperwrite mentioned, even a credit card. Think about how much of the world does not have a credit card. You can't have a book. 
and and then you couple in the fact that you have to ship them to centers and no bookstores, you know, and there are just people cut off. Um, her statistic in South Africa was that the entire book market in South Africa is supported by a, approximately 2 million people. And there are an additional 49 people, I'm sorry, 49 million people just in the country who don't have access to books. And they're working to change that. All right. So let's 180 it. This is the first time that you've been in Frankfurt uh, to cover the, mm -hmm. the book fair. And the book fair, I guess, starts today. And what are your impressions of Frankfurt overall so far? This is really a town. First of all, they're really centered on the book fair itself. It's, I mean, it's been going on for so many years, I mean, decades even, that you know, they know, they know that this is the week and it's coming and all these people are coming. And so everywhere I've been, it's, it's been, you know, book fair, this book fair, that, you know, even my taxi driver from the airport is like, Oh, and next year, if you come back, you should go to the book fair. <laughs> so he didn't realize that's why I was there, but even my taxi driver knew about this important event. And, um, and I'm, I'm actually noticing a lot more diversity this year in terms of following the information from Frankfurt. Goody Reader hasn't covered it in the past, but we course stayed on top of it in previous years and this year there's a lot more to do with digital publishing self-publishing and opening it up to authors this was at one time in its history this kind of closed off business event where the industry got together and made crucial decisions for books for the rest of the year and now we're seeing a lot more openness towards authors um, publishing perspectives whom we interviewed a couple weeks ago has published its whole guide for authors who are attending frankfurt for the first time so it's almost like there's just more of almost like a book expo atmosphere where anybody who has anything to do with a book really this is an event for you excellent so you were part of like this you know nonsensical uh, first day where I don't think anybody really knows what those like letters stand for, but suffice to say, it was all about digital, and there were some pretty prolific, you know, authors and, and figures yeah. uh, in in attendance, such as uh, Hugh Howie. Uh, right. What exactly went down? That was actually a double session. So it was towards the afternoon, and it, it you know carried over through the break and into the next sessions because it was a long panel. Um, gosh, I'm I'm trying to think down the row of people. There were there were nine panelists and a moderator. Um, I know Lean Pub was represented, and from Vancouver, and then so was Pub Slush. Both of those we're going to be writing about this week. They're fascinating concepts on crowdsourcing for books. In the case of Lean Pub, it's books that are not even published yet. And so he was really pushing the concept of publishing a book that is a work in progress. And to me, that's, I mean, that's a, on the, on the, outside that looks really dumb, you know, to say, you know, who's going to pay for a book that's not even written yet, but he's finding authors and readers really are connecting to that format. Um, the readers like knowing that they're supporting it. And uh, even the pricing model, they, they have a kind of a, a pay what you want to pricing model. And he's noticed that, you know, people are paying a lot more than they might for a completed book because they know the money is going to support an author who's really at work on this. Pub Slush is, um, there was a lot of comparison to Kickstarter, and she was mentioning that, first of all, Kickstarter only has a 43% success rate in terms of getting full funding, and when it comes to a book on Kickstarter, it's 1%. Um, they're apparently doing a lot better than that at PubSlush, but it's because, first of all, they're only book-centric, so the people who are coming by to see what's being funded and to donate are there because they care about books. Um, and so it's, it's really a vibrant model, and she said that the thing is there's also no um, success or fail if you post your minimum you know donation amount that you want to get to write your book or to have it edited 
anything you earn goes towards your project. It's not, you know, oh, you didn't meet your goal. Too bad for you, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Um, so those those two were both really amazing concepts. Then, of course, Hugh Howey was there with his agent, Kristen Nelson, basically just talking about a lot of the disruption in the industry right now. At one point, Johnny Geller was there, who's also a literary agent. I did notice he coincidentally had to leave. <laughs> it wasn't that he stormed out of the panel, I promise. <laughs> but suddenly, suddenly I looked up and he was gone. But one of my favorite quotes from that panel was him saying, I can't believe I'm having to defend the publishing industry. And it wasn't so much a defense of the traditional industry. It's just that so much is changing so fast. Um, John Fine was there from Amazon and Matthias Madding, who has written a book about self-publishing in Germany and based on survey results. And um, Florian Geppert, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which company he represents, but he spoke at length about what they've been looking at in terms of how self-publishing is taking off in Europe and other markets. Um, it was interesting that some of the journalists in there were there covering Brazil and said, hello, what about news from South America? It's all Europe, Europe, Europe. <laughs> so um, they said, you know, that news is coming. We're still working on the data because it's so new in that market, but that data will definitely be coming out, you know, on how self, self-publishing self is taking off in South America. So what are your impressions so far of, like, you mentioned a, a few times so far that there was a lot of emphasis on self-publishing, you know, companies that are involved in it, companies that are repping it. Uh, what about authors? The is Frankfurt, we were kind of talking a bit before about the show about how uh, Frankfurt this year is going to be swarmed by indie authors looking to get, you know, their break or to, to meet agents or to, you know, try to make connections. How are you finding that type of atmosphere there so far? Well, of course, with the fair kicking off today, I haven't run into many of those people yet, um, but I have seen a lot of social media traffic that says that those people are planning to attend. Um, Porter Anderson actually was in a, a Twitter chat with me with BiblioCrunch a couple weeks ago talking about this phenomenon about how Frankfurt is opening up more towards readers and towards the authors, of course. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is it is always, first and foremost, a rights fair, and that is where basically the foreign rights are sold to books. Um, one of the things for authors to understand, of course, is that if they're here hoping to meet an agent or a publisher, those people are busy selling their current clients' lists. But it's never bad to make connections in the industry. And when we interviewed Hannah Johnson from Publishing Perspectives a couple weeks ago, that was her key point. You know, sure, attend these things, but understand that this is an investment in your long-term career. It is not about an immediate get-rich-quick, you know, find my book and make it a bestseller atmosphere. And that's something else that was reiterated yesterday in that panel with Hugh Howie and, and several other people from the industry was that authors have got to treat this like a long-term career. It is not a, you know, slap a book up there and get rich off of it mentality. And Hugh Howey has always been famous for saying the best promotion you can do for your book is to write the next one and keep them keep them coming for your fans. So there was a lot of talk actually yesterday about serialization too, by the way. So that's a, that's a concept that's really catching on is is more material for your for your readers. But I hope that authors who've come here take some of this advice that you know has been you know floating around on social media by all means come and see what this industry is all about but make it more than just about 
coming to Frankfurt for your career. You know, there is so much to do here. It's a beautiful area, and the weather is absolutely stunning this week so far. I hope I didn't just jinx myself, uh. but really mild and you know, really nice sunny day yesterday. So, I mean, sure, by all means, if you're going to Frankfurt or Book Expo, you know, go ahead, you know, and, and invest in your career if this is what you really want to do. But plan your vacation to leave you some time to come to the book fair. Don't come here just for this. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you in the respects of the focus on serialization and the focus on the next book. Uh, Barbara Freethy actually uh, said this quite recently in an interview where she was saying that, you know, if you're an indie author and you've just written your first book, that you should be immediately thinking about your second book because it's much easier to sell your fourth and fifth book than it is to sell the first book. Absolutely. And that actual number right there, I don't think that's, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's a genuine statistic, but that was actually mentioned yesterday. Um, Kristen Nelson said that, that it is book four and five and six that are going to be the ones that really take off. If you've got a fan base for books one, two, and three, she mentioned another client of hers. Um, I'm sorry by name, but I, I, I'm not familiar with her. Um, but she had a traditional publishing deal with Random House. <clears throat> Excuse me. And after book three, Random House opted not to continue the series. But it was the foreign markets, like this week, where the negotiation for foreign rights will happen. It was the foreign publishers who said, but we want it. The fans here in this country want it. And Kristen steered her into digital self-publishing for the remainder of the books in the series. So Random House still owns, if not book four, I know books one, two, and three in the series, and the author herself owns four, five, six, and seven, um, and they've actually been able to work with Random House in terms of pricing the first books, the ones that Random House still owns the rights to, and uh, and Kristen was actually pointing out, that's kind of her contribution to it yesterday, was that the publishers and the authors have got to work together more. We've got to stop treating it like an us against them. Um, and that was one of the points reiterated that self-publishing, its rise in popularity and the data we're getting from it are showing that more and more authors are not even attempting traditional publishing first. It used to be the fallback, the kind of, oh, I couldn't get published, so I self-published. Um then when it got a little bit more respectability, there was still this kind of, oh, well, I'm going to self-publish this book and then try to query my next book to an agent. And we're finding more and more authors who are saying, you know what, I don't need this. I'm doing great. And uh, how we mentioned yesterday that there were probably 300 authors, well-known authors, who really made a good living and doing nothing but write books um, several years ago. He was referring back to the days he worked in a bookstore. And he's the ones they would come in. He said, I was shocked by the New York Times bestsellers who would come to do a book signing and talk about their day jobs <clears throat> and some of the things they had to do. And uh, he said, thanks to self-publishing, that number is probably 10 times that. And he said, there are plenty of people who are not household names, but he said, rest assured, their fans know their names. And they're making a good living simply writing books for their fans. And, and so... There, there are readers out there for great quality and great books, and that was the, the point that Nelson was making was, you know, just because one industry or one aspect of the book-selling market might not be for you, there might be a host of fans waiting. Um, and, of course, that's where Lean Pub and Pub Slush both jumped in with, and we'd love to put it on our website. <laughs> so uh -huh. there's just a lot more options now that, than people, that people may not still be aware of. 
So in terms of the book fair that's uh, happening today, what's uh, the game plan? What do, you, what do you got planned in terms for interviews and, and, and sort of what, what's catching your eye uh, for, you know, the next like eight hours? Uh, well, of course, we have a lot of panels happening at the at the fair itself. So there will still be panel discussions all week, even while there are these, I hate to say closed door meetings, because that makes it sound like there's something nefarious going on. But Well, there that's are what these book fairs are all about. Like, I remember going to Book Expo and, like, everything was closed doors. Like, Barnes & Noble didn't have an official booth, but all of their management was there talking to people behind closed doors. Same with uh, Apple and iBooks. Um, they're always at all these book fairs. They never have a booth, but they're just there. Same with Google. Uh, they're always there, but they're there for like closed door meetings, you know, uh, right. where, you know, they're, most of these companies are always aggressively expanding into foreign markets. And so they're looking for localized books. They're looking for localized publishers specializing uh, in, you know, foreign, foreign books, foreign and rights and things like that so when they want to enter these markets they could enter that market with like a catalog of like 27,000 books that are courtesy of local self-published authors local publishing companies so I see Frankfurt as being or at least the dichotomy of it being the exact same thing absolutely and, and of course I think that's where we have to remember that the this is where these events started. Um, it's just kind of grown from there. And um, you're right. I love I love walking through an exhibition hall and seeing the booths and meeting some of these new companies. There's a company that I met at Book Expo last year who was fairly new, and they will be here this year. So that's Red Shelf. Um, they're a new ebook retail platform, and so that's exciting. And uh, of course, we have some news coming out today from Bowker. They're just releasing the the data on a, a study they did on self publishing and how it's growing. But the interesting thing about their data is. That that it shows that self-publishing has actually indirectly or directly benefited the publishing industry as a whole. It's no longer this, oh, they're going to ruin books. And, and that is one of the points that someone was trying to make yesterday in the panel that, you know, these this wealth of, of crappy material being flooded onto the ebook market by people who don't even bother to proofread it, that it's ruining books. And, and that's just simply not true. Um, there's, you know, as one, one panelist pointed out, there's a wealth of, of stupid apps that don't do anything. They're not stopping me from using the apps that I purchased that I enjoy. Um, the same thing with music. You know, there's a lot of music out there. It's not stopping me from finding great music to listen to. Um, Another one was websites. You know, there's a lot of really ridiculous websites that are really low tech and don't do much. You know, uh. they're not stopping me from going to the websites I enjoy. And so the same is true of books. Yeah, you know, there was this big, big sentiment that you know all these ebooks flooding the market are going to make it impossible to find good books, and that is not true. You're going to find authors who do a lot of great promotion, who who interact with their fans. I hate to keep throwing his name out there, but Howie's another example of somebody who just is constantly available and open to his readers, who listens to them. Um, he did talk at length about fan fiction and how he was supportive of fan fiction even before Kindle Worlds. So he had people who said to him, hey, 
you know, I don't want to get in trouble here. Can I write a story and publish it? And he's like, well, go ahead. You know, you wrote that one, not me. And he was saying that that fan fiction actually increases interest in his book because when people say this is a work of wool fan fan fiction, people are going to say, wow, that was pretty good. Now, what is this wool you were talking about? You know, and so, um, so there's just really, there's, there's great reading material out there and it's not in any way being hindered by the less than great reading material. So, um, the meetings that will happen today, some of them, of course, are to secure rights. Some of them are to further the industry. Just as many are to say to people, hey, do you know who we are and do you know what we do? And and so there'll be a lot of exciting stuff presented, too. Um, I think it's less innovative or less digital than yesterday was. Um, and I think that's why so many of the events have a standalone digital day, um, because you know, today it'll be about the books and about the, the publishing. So it'll still be a, an interesting day. we got some great interviews lined up this week. All right. So what we're going to do uh, in terms of uh, coverage, of course, you have interviews with a lot of people and a lot of companies. Um, give us our listeners a preview of uh, some of the more notable uh, companies and people that you'll be meeting with uh, in the next few days. Okay, of course. Um, of course, we, have, we always like to interview Kobo because they're always doing something. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's it's more innovative than others, but at the same time, you n- you never know. Some of the, the smallest little things that they're working on could end up being huge, and that's one of the really great things about digital publishing. So we have interviews lined up with Kobo. Um, of course, Aquafatis because you know they're working with Kobo and they have an exciting update right now for their iOS 7, but they're also coming out with, um, they have a partnership coming up with Kobo to do something with graphic novels and children's books for self-publishing. Kobo has been very tight-lipped about that, unfortunately, but maybe we'll get that out of them this week. Who knows? Yeah, you know, Um, they've been talking about that, like, forever. Um, I remember, (laughs) like, six months ago, um, you know, they they kind of mentioned, oh, yeah, you know, with with Writing Life and and Aquafatis, we're going to allow people to, like, self-publish, you know, everything from, like, magazines to comics to graphic novels, but it never really seems to come to fruition. I know. but and every time I see him, trust me, I ask Michael Tamblin about it, and every time he says, oh, I can't tell you that yet, but I will. <laughs> well, I kind of think that one of the things that are happening is Kobo is launching their magazine store towards the mm-hmm. end of the month when their new uh, line of tablets officially hit the market. And I think that some of the Aquafatis tools for iOS 7 are going to find their way into the Kobo reading app for iOS. And that will allow people who actually buy the magazines, whether it's on the web or on Android tablets, you'll be able to actually read them within the Kobo reading app. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and of course, I'll be sure to ask them about that when we talk to them this week. Yeah. Um, lots, just lots of great people and, and some of the same old standbys because you've got some of the leaders in the industry who are always doing something new. I was very disappointed that Dominique Rocca did not make it this year but um, from Sourcebooks, but there are going to be several other people from Sourcebooks coming. They're always doing something, something innovative or cutting edge. Um, in terms of disrupting the industry, not in terms of maybe their own technology. Um, and then, of course, some of the more literary just concepts like forward reviews, we'll be speaking to them, hopefully about where things are going with the current state of book reviews. <laughs> and so um, they're not actually involved in any of the bullying that has reportedly been taking place, but I would love to get their thoughts on it and what authors, readers, and reviewers need to do about it. 
kind All of right. Stuff. Well, it seems, other people. it seems like you have a, a busy, uh, you know, next few days. So we're going to uh, get you back on the show maybe in a day or two. And you could kind of run down uh, the most notable things that have happened. But of course, if you want to find out what's happening at the Frankfurt Book Fair, uh, check out the Goody Reader Twitter account at Goody Reader. Mm-hmm. Mercy has been uh, tweeting like a mad woman. So <laughs> you can kind of get a sense on what's happening, um, you know, zero, zero minute basically if there's any you know notable quotes or anything uh very important you can check out our official twitter account but then again if you want to check out all the feature stories and everything like that you can check out our website at goodyreader.com and lots of interviews lots of news we're going to be giving you uh first-hand coverage with the new tolino shine 2 e-reader that's going to be announced uh sometime in the next few days and it's a veritable who's who it's it's the biggest book fair in the world and we're going to get a sense of on you know what's actually happening in Western Europe in terms of traditional publishing, self-publishing, audiobooks, hardware, software, and all that jazz. So keep your browsers locked to goodyreader.com. And Mercy, thanks for joining us today. No problem. You guys have a great day. All right. Check you later.